Hi, this is Seamus Petrie with your WPEA Legislative Report. This week, we'll have an overview of how a bill becomes a law and more information that you need to know about what's happening in the legislature. As public employees, WPEA members are directly affected by the decisions that they make in the legislature, which is why it's so important that they hear your voice. Now, the legislative process can be daunting, it moves fast, they use a lot of jargon, everyone has fancy job titles, and they make the decisions in marble-walled rooms. That's why I'm here to help demystify the process, pull back the curtain, and give you the working knowledge you need to understand what's happening with our state laws and why. Because knowledge is power. So, in a previous episode, we were talking about the work that the legislature does, and I briefly mentioned the process by which a bill turns into a law. I invited you to recall Schoolhouse Rock, because, frankly, that's a pretty good basic outlining of the legislative process. It was written for U.S. Congress, but the process in the Washington State Legislature is much the same. A successful bill has to go to committee, then to the floor, then to the committee in the other chamber, then the floor of the other chamber, and then to the governor's desk for signature. Along the way, it can be debated and amended at every step. That's the simplest version of the story, though. As you may have guessed, the real story, the legislative process as it's actually practiced, is a bit more complicated. It's a perilous journey. Most bills don't make it, and along the way there are untold obstacles and nearly impossible odds. There's also some mystery and even a big plot twist near the end. As I said, most bills will die along their journey to becoming a law. Only about one in five actually get to the governor's desk for signature. The process is actually designed to make it hard to pass a bill. There are a lot of little steps that a bill has to go through, and some bills will die at each step. Bills die because they don't have majority support, or because they're too expensive, or because there just isn't enough time. Session is limited, and there are a series of deadlines built into the calendar called cutoffs. If a bill isn't far enough along in the process before a given cutoff, then that bill dies. So what does that journey actually look like? Each bill has to go through the same process. Voted out of committee, voted off the floor, and then the same steps in the opposite house. Voted out of committee, voted off the floor, and then signed by the governor. So that's five basic steps. If a bill raises or spends money, it has to go through a fiscal committee as well. So seven basic steps. Policy committee, fiscal committee, floor, then to the opposite house for the same, and then signed by the governor. But each of those steps actually has little steps within it. To be voted out of committee, a bill must first have a public hearing. Plenty of bills never get scheduled for a public hearing in their first committee. After a public hearing where the public has had an opportunity to weigh in, the bill must be voted out of committee. We call voting a bill out of committee execing a bill, which is in reference to executive sessions, the kind of meeting that uh, legislators use when they vote on bills. Plenty of bills never get voted out of committee. 
either because they don't have enough votes for, from committee members, the committee chair doesn't want to move the bill, or they just run out of time on the schedule. But bills have to be voted out of their policy committee by that first cutoff date. That's called policy cutoff. If they're not, then they're dead. The bills that make it out of their policy committee with a vote have to be scheduled for a public hearing in their fiscal committee. Plenty of bills get through their policy committee only to never be heard in a fiscal committee. And again, even with a hearing in the fiscal committee, plenty of bills that get heard in their fiscal committee never get voted out of their fiscal committee for lack of support, lack of time, or because they're too expensive, which is something that fiscal committees care about in a way that policy committees don't, because the fiscal committees have to write the budget. If a bill doesn't get voted out of its committee by the second cutoff, called fiscal cutoff, then the bill is dead. Okay, so the bill's made it out of policy committee, out of fiscal committee, then onto the floor, right? Well... Before a bill gets to the floor, it has to go through what's called the Rules Committee. The Rules Committee is not like any other committee. The Rules Committee is made up of leadership from both party caucuses. This committee gets to decide what bills can actually get to the floor to be scheduled for a floor vote. It's an intentional bottleneck, a place where party leadership can hold bills that they don't like. It feels a little dark and mysterious. Some bills just go into rules and are lost forever. But if a bill makes it out of rules, that still doesn't mean it's going to get a floor vote, because the same constraints apply here. Lots of bills to be considered, but limited time and money. And debates on the floor can be much longer than debates in committee. Floor debates on controversial bills can go on late into the night or even into the next morning. One tool that the minority party has to fight against bills that they don't like is to propose a bunch of amendments, all of which will need to be debated. Each amendment uh, can slow the process down a little bit, forcing the majority party to maybe abandon some of their other bills. Okay, so the third cutoff date is called floor cutoff, or house of origin cutoff. Bills must be voted off the floor of their house of origin by that deadline, or, you guessed it, they're dead. So instead of three steps in each chamber, policy committee, fiscal committee, floor, it's more like six public hearing in the policy committee, executive session in the policy committee, public hearing in the fiscal committee, executive session in the fiscal committee, then rules, then a floor vote. And bills die at each step. Okay, so once a bill has it's gotten a floor vote, it's gotten off the floor, and it goes to the opposite house, the journey does get a little bit easier, because now there are a lot fewer bills, because so many have died, though it's not competing for time and space on the calendar as much, and the bills that have survived have some momentum. It's a lot easier to convince a senator to vote for a bill if it passed the House with a big bipartisan majority. Bills that survive this long have also been amended. Pieces get taken out, added, watered down, etc. Some amendments are aimed at improving the underlying legislation. Some are aimed at just increasing political support for the bill so it will pass. Uh, as session goes along, you'll see proposed statewide programs get shrunk down to pilot projects. You'll see exemptions get added. Um, you'll see shall or must type language get changed to may type language. Still, in the opposite house, the same three cutoff deadlines apply as in the house of origin. Policy committee cutoff, fiscal committee cutoff, and floor cutoff. And at every stage... 
some bills will die. I have been at the Capitol on the afternoon of uh, opposite house cutoff, racing around, uh, talking to lawmakers, desperately trying and ultimately failing to get a bill scheduled for a vote before the 5 p.m. cutoff. We had gotten this bill all the way through these steps, and we knew that we had majority support in the Senate, but we didn't have enough time, so the bill died literally at the last minute. If a bill gets amended and passes its opposite house, uh, then it has to go back to the floor of its house of origin. The house of origin can hold a vote to accept a new form of the bill, or they can insist on their own version and send it back. Ultimately, bills that bounce back and forth like this will go to something called a conference committee, a group of members from both chambers and both parties who will reach a compromised version of the bill. If they can't come to an agreement and a compromised version of the bill, then you guessed it, the the bill dies. Yeah. So, after final cutoff, for the last week or two of session, the legislature is only considering three kinds of bills. Bills that still need to go through the conference committee process that I just described, the budgets themselves, and bills that are necessary to implement the budgets. And... Here's the plot twist that I promised. Bills that are considered necessary to implement the budget, which is abbreviated to NTIB, those are not subject to any of the cutoff deadlines I was just talking about. They still have to go through committees, but they can be introduced and passed as late as the last week of session. Now, what kind of bills are considered necessary to implement the budget? Really, any bill that raises or spends money could be considered NTIB, but only a few bills each year will get this special treatment and race through the process at the end. Usually, the bills that go through the process right at the end are either urgent responses to something that has come up during session, or new compromises on issues that have been moving through and being debated um, on bills through session already. Okay, we're almost at the end. Once both chambers have voted on the same version of a bill, it can go to the governor's desk. Most bills that make it this far will be signed by the governor, but bills can still die here. The governor can veto a bill, or veto just certain sections of a bill. The legislature can override a veto with a supermajority vote, but that is rare. Most bills that make it to the governor's desk will become law. Okay. You can see why most bills die along the journey. It's hard to pass a bill. That's actually by design. Sometimes I wonder why any bills pass at all. So why does a bill pass? What is the thing that makes the difference between a bill that dies and a bill that survives and becomes law? In a scramble for limited resources, like the time and attention of the legislature, what makes the legislature prioritize one bill over another? Well, the answer is political pressure. A bill that the public doesn't care about isn't going to make it as far. I'll give you an example. In 2020, just before the pandemic, the legislature passed House Bill 1888, a bill to protect public employee birth dates from disclosure. A similar version of that bill had died two years before, and at the beginning of the 2020 session, we were skeptical about whether we could get the bill through. 
but public employees, including WPEA members, reached out to lawmakers in huge numbers. Union members called, emailed, sent in postcards, and testified in committee. Every lawmaker we talked to that year said that they had heard from their constituents in support of the bill. In the end, the bill passed with huge bipartisan majorities. The final vote was 36 to 10 in the Senate and 91 to 5 in the House. That could not have happened without so many public employees sending a clear message to the legislature. Speaking of which, you can send a clear message to the legislature this year in support of our state employee contracts. You can do that by calling the legislative hotline at 1-800-562-6000 and tell them to fully fund state employee contracts, including 100% funding for classified staff at our community and technical colleges. The legislature doesn't always do that. This year, it's the time. So give the legislature a call at 1-800-562-6000 and tell them to fully fund state employee contracts, including full funding for classified staff at our community and technical colleges. Okay, that's probably plenty for this week. Uh, Next week, we will be taking you inside a committee hearing and uh, talking about what it actually looks like when the legislators are debating a bill on the floor. As always, please send feedback to Seamus at WPEA.org. That's S-E-A-M-U-S at WPEA.org. And also, please remember that you are your union, and this union is you. And we all do better when we all do better. Thanks for listening.